Are you hesitating to take the next step in your e-commerce journey? Founder Plus has you covered with proven frameworks tailored to your business needs for fast results, a supportive community of over 30,000 like-minded entrepreneurs and weekly live mentorship sessions. Founder Plus is your key to success. Try Founder Plus today for just $1 for seven days and start building your dream business with confidence. You can visit founder.com forward slash start dollar trial or click the link in the description to claim your trial. This is episode number 196 with Dan Sirica of the Founder Podcast. What you need is thirst. You need to be a thirsty human. Who is intent on learning. It's a really fascinating, fascinating exploration of human potential. Now. Now. now, the Founder Podcast. Even the greatest entrepreneurs had help. If you want to learn from the most successful founders on the planet, you are in the right place. Branson, Mark Cuban, Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Ariana Huffington, Ghost, Steve Case, Gary V, Sophia Amorosa, Robert Corcoran, Damon John. Learn from the greatest minds in business today with interviews hosted by Nathan Chan. This is not your average entrepreneur podcast. The Founder Podcast. Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Before we start today's episode, I just want to let you know that our goal at Founder is to help entrepreneurs succeed however we can by giving away high quality content in the form of interviews, blog posts, podcasts, YouTube videos, you name it. We put out so much content to help you. And another interesting project that we're working on right now is partnering with world-class founders like Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills like negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free trainings with founders like this, which is 100% free, just go to founder.com forward slash free. Okay, so now let's talk about today's episode. Hello, fellow founders, wherever you are around the world. Hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Nathan Chan, and I'm the CEO and publisher of Founder Magazine, and I'm also the host of this podcast, the Founder Podcast. And I'm coming to you live from Melbourne, Australia. And uh, today we've got an awesome guest. His name's Dan Sirica. And uh, he runs a company called Optimizely. So he's the founder of a big, big CRO company called Optimizely. And basically, this SaaS product, what it allows you to do is it allows you to run things called split tests on pages, all sorts of things, right? And, you know, as you get more and more into this marketing stuff, and I know some of you guys are probably laughing, and I just want to break it down for everyone, but basically... The more and more you get into this marketing stuff, one thing I've learned in my journey thus far of becoming a founder and entrepreneur is it's all about data. And the more data that you can have, uh, the better. And a tool like Optimizely allows you to basically uh, run split tests on certain pages to increase your conversion rates. And this is something that we're getting into hardcore at Founder because the difference between a 2% conversion or 1% conversion or just bumping that by just a couple of percent can make a very, very big deal when you, you know, you're building out your funnel, especially at the top part or even at the bottom part. So there's all sorts of reasons why you want to use a tool like this. So me and Dan go really, really deep on 
everything CRO, conversion rate optimization. We're going really deep on this stuff at Founder. And uh, I hope you get a lot of gold from this like I have too. And really, you know, once, you, once you're getting sales for your products, your service, whatever it is that you're selling and you're building your business, eventually you have to go deeper on this stuff. So it's a great conversation. You're going to learn a lot on how to optimize your sales. So make sure you listen to this whole thing. And if you are enjoying these episodes, please do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you're listening. Make sure you share it with a friend. And uh, because I know, you know, you must have tons of friends that are founders. All right, that's it from me. Now let's jump into the show. The first question I ask everyone that uh, we speak to is, is how did you get your job? (laughs) Um, Well, I... uh... I got my job uh, through pretty circuitous path. So I, I worked at Google as a product manager, uh, started there and learned really what it um, what made Google Google, which is this culture of experimentation. That's ultimately what I brought to the Obama campaign in 2008. Uh, I left, I joined that campaign, started off as a volunteer and uh, eventually turned into a job as the director of analytics. And it was a great opportunity for me to see how to take something that to me was sort of uh, common sense, and I assumed was widespread what I saw at Google, uh, and really actually wasn't, which is this really data-driven um, uh, meritocracy of ideas where the organization is very humble and willing to use data to, to guide their path, not uh, how most organizations actually work, which is using the hippo syndrome, the highest paid person's opinion. So that's, uh, that's what I brought to the campaign, um, had a big impact there and saw firsthand the power of experimentation. And that's why I started optimizing, really, to make it easy for anybody to do uh, experimentation. And we've done that today. We're the number one most adopted experimentation platform in the world. Uh, we get to work with uh, you know, huge global companies uh, and actually many companies out here in Australia, including um, uh, Atlassian and, um, and, and even you know, much older organizations like Fairfax Media. So it's, it's been a fun journey. Uh, today, I'm uh, you know, really focused on the product uh, engineering design, uh, design side of the house, uh, and, that's, uh, and that's my job. Yeah, gotcha. So uh, what brings you guys to Australia? It really was more of a pull than a push. Uh, we've had customers in Australia from almost the very beginning of the company, and, um, and it's been great to see their growth uh, you know, grow along, as, as we grow alongside with them. Uh, that ultimately culminated in decision to really double down on where we've been successful here. And, and because we have so many customers here in the market that, uh, that are really evangelized and really innovative, we think that can really spread to the rest of the market. And when we came, we thought it'd be great to have uh, a presence not only here in Sydney, but in Melbourne as well. Our uh, first hire was uh, out there uh, after our country manager, uh, manager director, uh, Dan Ross came to the, to the country. So uh, it's exciting to see you know, the growth we think here is uh, really there's huge potential, lots of lots of companies going through digital transformation that can benefit from uh, experimentation and lots of startups that are, you know, digital first companies that are also really uh, adopting our software. Mm, yeah, because that's something I find interesting. Um, a lot of companies, they might be, you know, online SaaS like, like you guys and they, you know, online company, global brand, but they tend, uh, you know, a lot do come to Australia, Sydney, Melbourne and set up kind of a bit of a base camp. Um, so, so does that mean you guys will predominantly be doing business development and is that kind of the kind of the play? Uh, you know, I, I, I wouldn't describe it as business development. It's more so uh, making our customers successful. So that includes 
uh, you know, CSMs or customer success managers uh, include support. Uh, one of the th great things that all of our customers benefit from globally is with the presence here in Australia, we now um, can uh, give them 24-7 global support, which is also a huge benefit. So that's a big part of it. You know, our, our, our top focus at Optimize is making our customers wildly successful and being close to your customers makes that much, much easier. Mm. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, look, um, I'm super excited to speak to you. And it's cool that you guys are coming because one thing that to, to be 100% uh, transparent is, is we're actually looking to hire a CRO guy at our company. And that talent is kind of scarce here in Melbourne and Sydney, I've found. Um, so I'm really curious, like, what advice would you give to me looking to find, you know, a really, really strong kind of, you know, experimentation person, analytics person that has that growth mindset and kind of iterative mindset? Yeah, it's a great question. It reminds me of a, of a funny story. When we, uh, I think around 2012, uh, it was the first time I had seen a job description that required Optimizely as a skill. Mm. Uh, it was very flattering to see. But what was interesting about that job description was that it required 10 years of Optimizely experience. And we had only been around for two <laughs> years at that point. So I don't know how they hired or who they hired, but uh, that was a, a very flattering thing to see. So uh, first and foremost, I think, uh, you know, to answer your question, it is a new field, uh, you know, just like um, – uh, uh, industries like search engine marketing before Google AdWords, search engine marketing wasn't really a discipline, wasn't really a full-time job, wasn't even somebody's in their title. But because of the impact that has through organizations, they feel like it's important to specialize in that role. We're seeing the same thing with experimentation and, and conversion rate optimization. So um, in that sense, you're right that it is early and there's a lot of uh, and, you know, you're not going to get thousands and thousands of applicants for that role. Uh, that said, I do think the best folks that I've worked with now uh, in those functions at other companies are ones that are very uh, data-driven at the core, uh, are very focused on not just the tools and technology, but the culture of experimentation. I think that's very important. I'd ask any candidate who would consider this role uh, how they view their job at influencing and changing the culture of an organization. Um, you know, that's a high-order uh, job and definitely tough to do in large companies that have been around for a long time. But the best people I know who run what we call the Center's Excellence for Experimentation, these are folks who really see their job as much, much more than just, you know, optimizing button colors and, and driving conversion lift. They see really around changing the mindset of the company from one where uh, typically decisions get made at the top to ones where typically decisions get made by the edges of the organization. So I think that's number one. Number two, I do think, um, you know, the, the reality today is there are thousands and thousands of uh, uh, technology solutions that companies can buy. And I think part of the reason why that happens is because the cost to start a company and build technology has become lower. And so you end up having thousands of solutions. And these aren't, you know, we, we happen to play in one space of experimentation, but we don't claim to do everything under the sun at Optimizely. And we're really deeply focused on experimentation, but we think it's important to deeply integrate with other best of breed solutions as well. And so I think that's important for this person in an organization to be the champion of, which is finding best of breed solutions that integrate seamlessly with one another, not a Franken suite of uh, products that have been acquired into one large conglomerate over time. Um, so anyway, that, hopefully that's helpful. Am, am I am I helping you out here on this on this on this role? Yeah, hundred percent. What uh, what kind of um, 
when it comes to personality traits, what kind of things would you interview? Because you guys, you guys would would have best of breed like CRO, experimentation, analytics, data driven people. I'm sure you've seen them. What kind of characteristics, traits, uh, things would you be looking for? For like, and and would you hire someone with, you know, uh, like, is it possible to hire someone that's really good with a couple of years' experience, or do you need someone that's been doing optimization for ten years or? No, I, I absolutely think a couple of years of experience is fine because there frankly aren't that many people who've been doing this for 10 years. The folks who've been doing this for 10 years probably come from companies like Google or Netflix uh, where they've really built this culture from uh, the beginning. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't limit yourself to that, that uh, pool of candidates. I think you know, in terms of uh, characteristics, I think somebody who, is, um, who sees themselves as a servant to the organization, who's really about enablement, their job, they feel like their job first and foremost is to enable other people in the company to look good, not to be the person who wants to take credit for all of the wins and losses and, uh, and data. Um, I think that's really important as well. Um, so I think you know, those, are, those are two traits. I, I also think somebody who, who's able to think strategically, I think one of the biggest misses I see organizations make when they start with testing and experimentation is they're too incremental. They're just trying you know, small little changes to the margin, maybe adding an exclamation mark at the end of a sentence. But that really isn't going to move the needle for experimentation. And, and oftentimes that might actually lead to a bit of fatigue, like, hey, I'm putting all this effort in. Why am I not getting the results I expect? So I think somebody who can be strategic and really force the organization to use its limited resources to test the things that matter um, is going to be an important skill. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good point because that's really micro stuff that doesn't really impact the bottom line as much as – because we, we would be looking for someone, I guess, that um, can play around with offers and understand sales as well. Because I think that's a good skill. Like they have to be decent at selling too, right? Because that's 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 a level of experimentation. Like Because we, we want that person to optimize the bottom line, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, they should be directly tied to revenue. If, if, if that the person you hire in this role doesn't think their job, first and foremost, is to drive business outcomes and, and revenue, then you've got the wrong person. Um, I don't know if that needs to be necessarily focused on sales as, as a discipline or a function, but it does really somebody who can't connect the dots between the work they do and directly impacting revenue is probably not the right fit. Mm, interesting. And I'm curious, like you can only run so many tests, right? In a, in a That's certain, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. In, a, in a certain time frame. So how do you know which, like, like how do you know which battles to pick and how, and how do you, because, you know, like for us, for example, we you know, have many different products, um, many different magazine issues, many different things going on. How, how, would, how would like a good CRO person know what uh, battles to pick and, 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 you know, because you can only run so many tests over, you know, a certain time period? Yeah, we definitely, uh, we try to make that easy. I think being able to prioritize and um, evaluate the return on investment for the different experiments you run is very important. Uh, we actually acquired a company called Experiment Engine earlier this year, and we're going to uh, be launching their uh, uh, their stuff later this year. And one of the key things that I love about their product is that it allows anybody in the organization to collaborate on ideation. So it's not just implementing the experiment, but ideating, coming up with new ideas. And it allows anyone in the organization to rank each of these experiments by uh, level of effort, by potential impact, by uh, perceived complexity, and one of my favorite uh, characteristics is by how much you love the test. Because we you know everyone thinks they're impartial, but unless you give somebody the forum by which to actually say, "I just really love this test," I don't know if it's going to have an impact. I just really love it. Uh, you end up sort of uh, hiding that input and putting it in the, in the wrong place. 
And the cool thing about that is then you can collaborate very much like Jira or some of these other collaboration software. You can collaborate on the ideas the organization has. And then you can only put forth of those hundred ideas, the five that you think will really move the uh, needle. And, and those are hypotheses. You don't know for sure, but at least you, you've sort of called um, down that long list. So you're not just incrementally changing things at the, the margins. You're actually driving for business outcomes. Yeah, wow, that's super cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing that product um, and getting access to that. So another thing that I'm really curious about as well is when it comes to testing, um, you know, what, one thing that, that we've noticed is uh, within our business is is there's so many different tests, as, as I said, you can only pick so many that, that you can go with, but how how big of a of an importance should companies be placing this kind of experimentation within within the business? Because there's so many other things you can do. There's only so many tests you can do. There's a you know we got we got marketing, we got sales, we got product, we got uh, you know customer success, we've got you know, biz dev, we've got acquisition. Like like how important is a tool like optimizing? Why should companies be using it? Because we you know there's so much going as a founder. There's so many things you can be doing. Absolutely. And I, I think it's a great question. And, you know, I, I don't want to focus on the importance of the tool, but more so on the, on the concept of experimentation. I would say experimentation as a practice and as a process within a company should be one of the highest order cultural values the organization embodies. Um, and that means not just conversion rate optimization on the marketing page. It actually means that product developers, they should be experimenting every feature they develop. Every single thing that they put in front of a customer, that should be an experiment. And so, um, you know, we believe in you know, the product we launched last year that's now our fastest growing product is called Fullstack. That's a product really de designed for product development teams. It's the SDKs you put into your, uh, your, your back end of your, uh, your website or your native mobile apps or even, you know, Apple TVs. Uh, we really believe that that will enable product development teams to do the same kind of experimentation that made Google Google or Facebook Facebook or Netflix Netflix. And at the same time, we give this product for the marketing team or business-minded folks, the client-side web solution. So in that sense, we believe beyond just the product, beyond optimizing, we believe the practice of experimentation should be widespread and should be from the top of the organization down to the bottom. Uh, we hope that the, you know, we see this actually every day. The best CEOs, if you look at the, the Fortune 1000 companies five years ago, the CEOs of companies that embody a culture of experimentation, these CEOs focus on the number of experiments they run every single year, every single month, every single day. And these are the companies that have grown actually over the last five years, over 700%. Um, so I think these are, these are the CEOs where they see experimentation as core to the way their organization runs and their culture. That said, you know, we see our product as playing a role there, but we're not the end all be all. We think you know, technology is just one part of the picture. We think people, process systems, uh, that's just as important. And so, you know, we definitely think that uh, we can help and play a role. We want to be a champion for that. But I, I don't want to overpromise and oversell to say, hey, Optimize is the most piece of, important piece of software you have uh, at a company. I think we're a critical part of making organizations innovative. And to the extent that that's going to help you in the marketplace, um, we, we think we can help. Mm. And you talk about that culture of experimentation. How, how can someone uh, fuel that and, and make sure that, that, that your company has that? What are some best practices to fuel that? Yeah, I, I think that's, that's a great question. I actually wrote a whole book on it, but <laughs> let, me, let me summarize it. So um, I, I think, you know, one of the key things that I've seen um, is, is buying from the top. When the CEO of a company asks 
what were the test results, not let's do X or let's do Y, but what were the test results that changes the mindset of the company to say, it, it sort of, first of all, presumes that, of course, you ran the test. Now, oftentimes people will come to the CEO with an idea or a proposal and, uh, you know, that will get approved or not approved. But if the mindset of the organization is that they're going to be asked and held accountable to results from the test, they're going to think about their initiatives and the ideas around hypotheses, not as, uh, you know, a proposals for approval. So that's, that's first and foremost from the culture. You know, the culture is set by the top, and I think that that's really important. The yeah, second I love that. is, yeah, the, the second is I think it's very critical to, um, you know, as, as, uh, as a company to embrace going fast. Frankly, going fast or dying slow are the choices that companies today have when they have to compete with the likes of Amazon. Uh, and, and Amazon today is, you know, whether they're a competitor of yours or not uh, today, they will probably will be at one point. And the way Amazon thinks about their company is really as, uh, as, as a bunch of experiments. And so you have to say, okay, if, if our culture is, uh, if our company is going to compete with Amazon, then our culture needs to be at least as good as theirs in terms of our willingness to, um, to be humble and think of the work we do as an experiment. The third thing I'll say, and, and I don't want to uh, blabber on to this, I do think there needs to be a tolerance for risk. Um, one of the beauties of experimentation is you know whether something's working or not. And if it's not, it's not the end of the world. You have data to say, look, this, this idea, this design, this product, it's not working. Let's kill it. Let's pull it out of the market and move on to the next one. And I think organizations that are too afraid of risk and intolerant of, uh, of failure end up actually undermining their ability to be innovative because the next good idea that might seem like a bad idea, the first time you hear about it in a meeting, uh, probably most companies will kill it before it even has a chance to see the light of day. With experimentation as the sort of foundation of how a culture works, you're able to actually get many more ideas to life. And whether if they work, they take off. If they don't, um, they'll die. Mm, yeah, no, I love that. Awesome. So um, you guys, uh, have raised from from 146 million from investors, Benchmark Capital, Andreessen Horowitz, Index Ventures. Like, uh, how, are you guys profitable now? Um, like, uh, that's something I'm really curious around. Do you do you plan to continue to raise, or or what are your what are your feelings thoughts? So one one of the great things about having built a big business is we get to fund our business from the growth of our customers. So today we're proud to say we have we earn over 90 million dollars in, in revenue. Um, annually, a recurring revenue. And so uh, right now, that's our primary source of funding for the company. We definitely, you know, we definitely want to make sure we invest in uh, growth and, and spend wisely across the board. Um, but right now, we have no imminent plans to raise more money. And, and the good news is, uh, when you grow a business to the size that we have, uh, you get to actually fund your growth from the revenue of your customers, which is the best form of fundraising. Mm, yeah, love it. And um, when you build a business the size of what you guys have built, one thing um, one of my mentors told me is 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 that you you begin to care less about uh, the revenue generated. Obviously, you know you want to keep investors happy and you you know, you, you want to show growth, but the things that you really care the most about is actually the culture within your organization and and the kind of company that you're going to build and the legacy you're going to build. So I'm really curious, what kind of legacy and culture do you want to, to, to build within Optimizely besides, you know, having a culture of experimentation? I, I truly believe that we have the opportunity to build a hundred year company and very few organizations make it to 10 or 20 years. Um, I, I, and I'm, so I'm, I, I don't want to seem naive to think that I believe we can build a hundred year company, 
But the reason I believe that is I think the market that we're in and the market opportunity we have is absolutely massive. If I look at the growth we've had over the last seven years, it's not just growth in terms of customers and revenue. It's really growth in the mindset of experimentation. And so to me, that, that spans well beyond um, uh, just one product. We now have multiple hit products in the market. That's another thing that most companies struggle with is, you know, they have a great first act, but can they follow up with an act two and an act three? Uh, our personalization product has done phenomenally well. Our full stack product has done phenomenally well. So that tells me if we continue to do what we're doing, we have the opportunity to build a 100-year company. That said, I don't think our success is preordained. And I've said numerous times internally to, to the team that we have to, you know, we, we, you know, the world owes us nothing. <laughs> we have to earn every single dollar we make, and we have to earn the right to, uh, to endure. And I think that starts by making our customers wildly successful. If we make our customers successful, they'll not only renew with us, but they'll grow uh, and they'll spend more with us over time. And that, as I said before, is the best source of funding for the growth of the company. So I'm maniacally focused on making our customers successful. I think culturally, if you ask anybody at Optimizely, what's the number one thing we're going to do? Uh, I think uniformly, everyone's going to tell you we're going to make our customers wildly successful. Uh, and, uh, and I think it starts with that. You know, we have a lot more in terms of cultural values that we talk about, but at the core, my ambition is to build a company that outlives me. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And when it comes to planning, like how far do you plan in advance? Um, that's something that, that I'd love to know. Um, so for me, with, with the company we're building, Founder, I'm planning no more than three to five years ahead. Like we want to one day build a SaaS product. I don't even know what that is, but one day, like we're a, while, a lot, long, long way away from it and building software. But, you know, so I'm really curious for, I, I'd have never thought, you know, that this is going to be a hundred year old company, but I'm really curious. Yeah, we, we think, well, it's actually, it's a really great question. So I think it's really easy to talk about a hundred years. <laughs> so that's one, one aspect. It's also mm. pretty easy to plan six months or a year out. The hardest for me has been planning three years out. We go through an exercise to do that. We call it our ambition document, where we'll write uh, very clearly what is our three-year ambition. In three years, what does success look like? What do, we, what do we hope to achieve? Not only that, but in three years, how will we win and where will we play? I think both are really critical questions to answer for the whole company. Um, how we will win means, you know, what is it that we do? What are we in the business of? What are we not in the business of? I think that's the most important thing for startups to get right is to figure out what they're, what they're not going to do. We have only so much uh, resources and we have probably 10 times the, the amount of opportunity around us. So being ruthlessly focused on what we're going to do and not going to do is important. And then where we'll play. You know, what are the markets that we're going to care about? What are the markets we're not going to care about? You know, this market here in, in Australia and New Zealand, we care about this market. That's why we're investing here. There are other markets today that we're saying, we'll do that later. And I think that that focus, uh, you know, as you think about things three years out, I think is very important. I honestly don't think five years out, that's, that's actually too hard for me. The world changes so quickly, it's really difficult to know what's going to matter, what's not going to matter. I know that, uh, you, you know, as, as I, I believe in the long-term ambition of the company, I think we'll get there. But right now, uh, you know, I want to make sure we don't uh, dive indigestion uh, uh, because, you know, most companies dive indigestion, not starvation. Mm. So with your three-year ambition, is that what you call painted picture? I've heard of this process before. We don't use that term. That might describe it. Um, it, it the, the framework we use is something that Bain uh, the consultant firm uh, uh, and McKinsey probably use a similar thing. Mm. It's a really simple methodology. It's, it's basically you know looking at our ambition, where we'll play, how we'll win, and then we align that to what we call our OKRs, 
our yes. objectives and key results. Uh, and that's something that we do uh, annually. Got you. So every every year you guys are kind of checking in and then renewing that three-year ambition. That's right, yeah. Gotcha. Final question, Dan. Um, just, uh, you know, um, from your experience uh, of, of building, you know, closing in on a you know, $100 million annual recurring revenue business, what's kind of been the, the greatest lessons that uh, you, you would like to impart with, with our audience? And then the last question is the best place people can find out more about Optimizely. Yeah, I have so many lessons I could share. I, I'd say the biggest thing I'd say is I think focus. I think that's the biggest lesson I could impart to your audience. Um, it's very, very easy to say yes. It's very hard to say no. Uh, that's the true of, uh, you know, uh, how you spend your time, who you sell to, what you build. And, um, you know, I, I'm now I've seen this time and time again that oftentimes um, you can really delude yourself into thinking you're making progress, but you're ending, you're ending up doing too much and too little for all those things you're doing too much of. And even that's true of large, large companies like like Alphabet slash Google, like these are companies where they have almost unlimited resources, but you'd, if you'd ask Larry Page, uh, he would probably tell you we're doing too much and we need to focus. We need to put more wood behind fewer arrows. Mm. Um, so that's probably the biggest lesson learned. Uh, and then what was your last question? Oh, where's the best place people can find out more about Optimizely and your work? We have a website, optimizely.com. I would recommend you check that out. Uh, we also uh, certainly are here in the market and uh, we'll happily meet with customers and uh, give a demo of the product and, uh, and, and go from there. Awesome. Fantastic. We'll wrap there. Thank you so much for your time, mate. Thank you. And good, good luck to you. And I wish you the best on your uh, entrepreneurial journey. And hopefully one day uh, we'll be able to be customers of yours. Yeah. Thank you so much. <laughs> I look forward to that one day, perhaps. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much, guys. I'll speak to you soon. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed this interview. As you might already know, our mission at Founder is to help tens of millions of people every single week with our content either start or grow their business, which is exactly why we're partnering with world-class founders such as Damon John, Alexa Von Tobel, Greta Van Riel, and so many more to teach crucial skills such as negotiation, finance, e-commerce, and so much more. So if you'd like to get access to these free exclusive trainings, please go to founder.com forward slash free. These are 100%. We go super in depth on teaching a particular topic, and I know that you're going to love them if you enjoy this podcast. So just go to founder.com forward slash free. All right, guys, I'll see you in the next episode.